Chris Warrior Routine! We don't, we, I, don't, I don't actually know if it's like that, but I'm just staring at that text in my face right now. Welcome to Mechanations, a critical analysis and rewatch podcast of YouTube videos about wrist workouts! No, that's not what we do. No. Nope. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Ignis Maddox, and, and joining me today... I'm PMC Trilogy. Hell yeah! Uh, uh, Steven Hero wasn't able to join us today. It's just gonna be the two of us, but that's fine. We have, we have plenty of experience <laughs> in, in this pit of despair that is called Gundam Wing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is a throwback to, I guess, the, the, the space arc of, of Gundam Wing, uh, season one, where, you know, it was, I think you and I steered most of that, most of that ship had to experience peace and war on a phrase that we have not said so far in no. our, uh, season two coverage, because, uh, Un hasn't showed up besides her uh, ghostly apparition no, in, uh, in that of... one that one uh, recap episode. Yeah, yeah, we could kind of get into it later for sure. Sure, yeah I, yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about that a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I, when when it comes to stuff this week, uh, there hasn't been there hasn't been much on the Ignis front. But PMC, I I feel like this weekend you have been a a. <laughs> I'm sorry to say this, a true wrist warrior. <laughs> yeah. So, so this weekend I've been I've been busy. You know, we're recording this uh, right now on the the Sunday of Labor Day weekend, and uh, so this was the this weekend. Uh, actually, I should say I believe it is September 9th is specifically the 25th anniversary of the launch of the PlayStation One in North America. And so, as a part of that, uh, you know, I'm loosely affiliated with the group Retro Gaming Live TV. Uh, which does lots of older stuff, but you know, I think as time goes on and the population changes, uh, you know, they're incorporating newer and newer things. And certainly at this point, uh, you know, fifth generation consoles like the PlayStation and the N64 are a part of that. Uh, so I was, uh, I uh, they just they basically just did a very low key uh, marathon this weekend uh, and just asked for people already affiliated with the group to uh, submit various games. And so I had submitted basically all of my PlayStation 1 speedruns, which, of course, you know, the Armored Core PS1 trilogy are the big ones. But I also submitted games like Epidemic, uh, Crazy Ivan, which aren't... I mean, Epidemic is a good game that no one knows about. Crazy Ivan is is a, is not a good game, and people don't oh, know no. about it, and that's probably for the best. Uh, so, But I did both of those um, uh, last night. It would have been Saturday night. Certainly, you can look at the... Uh, be twitch.tv slash retro gaming live tv uh to find the vods for those and there are lots of other great games too uh you know i'm just gonna i was watching the you know intensely the one right before my run which was the ps1 family feud uh with uh real stock footage of louis anderson uh you know rating how good your <laughs> family feud answers were uh, oh goodness <laughs> and what, what was astounding is that the the players set it the ai to uh, like wor- worst AI, like worst AI in terms of how good the answers were. Oh no! And one of the rounds were um, it was like things uh, things that you need uh, to get married. That was like the the Family Feud prompt. Okay. And uh, and the AI, one of their answers, one of the wrong answers was uh, to make a mistake. <laughs> okay. Man, what's going on? So, with, like, no one was prepared okay. for that. Uh, no. To make a mistake, that's such a like, oh, uh, it's like classic, like, oh, uh, I hate my, it's like. Oh, yeah, that, my wife again. Uh, uh, you, uh, you know? Yeah, what is with that? Like, I guess I would just have to ask, like, I don't know, our grandparents, right? I'm not even sure if that was a, a parent's thing of uh, a, uh, who, okay, our parents are boomers or, you know, mo- some of our parents are boomers. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then before that. 
was what is that lost generation or or uh, well i think oh god these generations i know these suck. I, I think they, they always suck. i think they always say i think greatest generation is coming of age during world war ii era and right. then silent generation is coming of age i think it's called silent, silent. Of, like silent movies I think you're right. Okay. I think that's why I, that's I could right. be wrong. I don't know why. I don't fucking Or maybe know. they Who just should have stood up for like civil rights and workers <laughs> instead of enjoying the Gilded Era. But hey, we're here again, so whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's been a lot of fun. Obviously, by the time y'all hear this uh, pod, I will have done the Armored Core PS1 trilogy. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, on the on stream full full trilogy, which is the first time I'm getting the opportunity to do that in an event, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and I guess the, the, the last bit to that is that I did order copies of, I had been thinking for a while about what armored core, uh, games I wanted to move to next. Cause I, I had, you know, dived into the PS1 trilogy at the beginning of this year and hadn't really, I, I thought like, well, armored core two is the next one. And I did play it as a kid. So like, maybe that's where I should go. Uh, but recently I had some folks, um, stop by my stream, you know, having, I think found me through various mech things. And expressed interest in seeing me approach Armored Core 4, which is a game I've never played. Uh, and so I've ordered, you know, both 360 and PS3 copies because they're relatively cheap right now of Armored Core 4. And uh, I'm probably going to, you know, at least do a casual play, of course. And uh, the speedruns are all pretty short. They're like around half hour, um, you know. So uh, I'm curious to see how that pan out. And that's I think that's kind of the the big the big mech news uh for me at this point and the only other thing i'll say about what i've been up to is i'm i am three episodes from finishing uh shira and that show owns real hard and people should watch that show yeah shira uh, is uh, definitely a good show uh there was definitely a little bit of a oh there was recent news wasn't there <laughs> yeah there there was a bit of a thing um i i i definitely encourage people to look up what was going yeah. on there and to to fully uh, uh, inform themselves of all all aspects of it, and but it does not really, in in my opinion, it doesn't really change that that Shiro was a pretty cool show, um, which is mostly what you're saying, PNC. right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean certainly, like certainly taking the show by itself, I, it's hard to think of a um of a of a more affirmative show that really showcases a lot of uh queer characters like it's just right. it was just really it's it's been great and also like an emotional intelligence as well you know i think um i think redemption arcs have become really popular right. but um but like you have to actually make them in an emotionally intelligent manner which i th- yes. i feel like Shirod does i think what um the the writing of Shira is able to do is take into account the character trajectories and not just the goals of the overall plot. And I I wonder why I would call that specifically out on our Gundam Wing recap podcast. But but maybe maybe we'll never know. Some we'll never mysteries know. are unable to be uncovered. Um uh, I, you know, don't have much in the way of the Ignis personal Marin. Um, I've been keeping an eye on a, an indie game called Star Renegades, which seems cool. It seems like it is a roguelike JRPG turn-based situation that was also incorporating something of Shadow of War's nemesis system in the way that its antagonists are generated. That seems neat. I'd be interested in checking that out. It has a really cool anime-inspired intro. Seems to include mechs. Doesn't seem to be specifically, and maybe one of these days, PMC... I we we will assemble a team a council 
and do, and determine what exactly the difference is. I think we've had this discussion in our show before about what the difference is between a, a mech show and something that features mechs. Or, like, what is a mech story versus a thing that also has mechs? Like, and, you know, this is not a value judgment per se. This doesn't necessarily incur any more or less value onto a thing. Um, but this is just the alleyway that that led me down. I think it does include mechs. I think they've used some mech hashtags in its advertisement. That seems neat. Um, I have also, I had the distinct uh, uh, opportunity to um, watch, uh, I was... I was checking out some Sentai shows, and uh, it inspired me to check out another indie game called Chroma Squad, which is a cute little indie sim game where you are a studio and you produce a Sentai series, and uh, through some shenanigans, it turns out that your Sentai team needs to defend the Earth. Um, it's pretty good. It has a good sense of humor. It's it's It, it definitely is an indie game of a certain variety where um, it feels a little too beholden to its Kickstarter origins in some of its writing a little bit it's i would call it mostly endearing but if you find that sort of thing where it's like hey i'm ken tremendous and i helped i sent 500 dollars in so i'm an npc in this mission like it's mostly endearing (laughs) you know but it's definitely one of those things where i'm like oh yeah yeah Uh, you know it's not a bad thing right it's not the sort of thing where it's going to turn a a, 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 an eight into a 7.7 or some other arbitrary thing the the style the sincere love for the genre um there's some very clever interactions with some like fan mail that you get um it's definitely right now it's very cheap if you like any of the stuff it has a mech battle mode just because of the way that sentai series work right where individuals will have their mech that embodies them and they their teamwork is represented by combining into a single powerful mech and you use that to battle giant monsters uh the the sim part is really cute you you know you make costumes out of cardboard and vinyl and yeah it's it's a good time it's definitely worth uh if you like sentai or even if you are a fan of this show, I bet you'll find something to appreciate in it. It's a I didn't mention it's a strategy RPG. Uh, you you it's like grid based strategy RPG. It could, I would compare it mostly to like XCOM. That, okay. It's that sort of yeah. Thing. Uh, and then the the other thing I've been doing uh, as part of the the Mechanations project, I've been speaking to a lot of different people. Some people that we've had featured on the show, uh, like Caitlin that we had on our Promare episode. Uh, and some others about their experience with Gundam Wing as a fandom and as like a sort of window into the world of fandom or or even just anime if you're not the sort of person. So like PMC, for instance, I'm I'm curious. Uh, how do you feel like you would say? I think we've talked about this a little bit, mm-hmm. but but how did you like engage with or or like what what did you do to sort of like express your interest in Gundam Wing? Like was it a thing where like you would uh you know would you collect action figures or i mean as much as pmc that you would be i understand that you have a a brand when it comes to collecting things but uh uh you know uh i'm curious how do you think that would exhibit itself or did it exhibit itself at all oh i think it exhibited itself tremendously i think um you know i think gundam wing was uh sort of decisively influential on how i expressed myself during that period of time uh, in several ways, uh, I I think one I I I had like one or two um, model kits, like just your more regular ass cheap model kits, and I I kind of was like oh, I don't these this isn't really what I want, and then I later uh, found 
the Endless Waltz action figures, which are more what I was looking for because what Fuck I was yeah. looking for uh, were things to to play with. You know, to just just to to kind of goof around with as a, as a you know as a middle schooler who was just sort of on the precipice of you know being done with that kind of play, but still having some interest in it because I you know for a long time had a, a, a deep interest in Legos, and so the second way that I really expressed my interest was uh, building lego mechs i had you know a number of and i probably still have physical photos laying around of you know the the different types of mechs uh, that i would make and i would make room for a cockpit and a way to fit the little minifigure in the cockpit and the core um and you know in different and i would experiment with different ways to do the joints and different kinds of arms and legs uh and things like that and they weren't sophisticated some of them weren't even you know color coded or really they were just you know mixed lego colors depending on what pieces i had you know i mean i was i wasn't going out and you know individually buying pieces in the brick no. net based on no, a plan no. <laughs> you know i was net. i was working with what i had uh and then of course the third way uh and this kind of goes back to what i talked about earlier in in my in my marin was that it's what pushed me to look for mecha video games and i think probably both both uh, Front Mission 3 as well as the PS1 Armored Core games were games that I likely wouldn't have played uh, were it not for Gundam Wing. So, see, what's very interesting to me about all of that, and 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 I think this is going towards why I've been talking to so many people about this, is that all of that is, is centered around, and I think understandably so, the machines, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, the interest there is in the, the the mechs themselves and and getting to have a tactile experience with the mechs, right? And what you ended up finding was interest in other things. Like the world is big enough that you were able to find other stuff that either satisfied that need or you know it was America. That's all we had. <laughs> um, so what I'm coming to is that there there are a lot of different ways that people would have uh, engaged with this stuff in their time. You know, a lot of this was happening right in the release schedule of Gundam Wang. So we're talking 1997, 1998, 1999. Um, And so that means that community was entirely different. You know, while um, you or I would have probably primarily engaged around the, the machines uh, I've been finding through talking through other people that the this show was a kind of gateway into what we would now f- find on, you know, like what before would have been like image boards or forums or fanfic comment sections, although the, that last one is still a thing for sure. Um, now you'll find on Twitter threads or, uh, you know, Tumblr has become pejorative, but, you know, was for a long time, like, the, the primary place where uh, fandom gatherings would happen until the porn ban. Um, it, you know, the porn ban didn't just, it wasn't just that, like, they got rid of porn and that somehow ruined Gundam Wing. <laughs> um, what what I mean was uh, that that just had a ripple effect on every community that was on Tumblr, and things just sort of switched over. Um and so, for example, I've been speaking to some people who latched on to a particular character. And mm. when they, and with that particular character, you know, they, they had a sort of angle that they could basically start to engage critically with, right? And so they, they look at that character and they say, like, okay, so this character 
undergoes this change at this point and ah i understand now what changes in character looks like and and that started to send this particular individual down a particular critical path right that that you're not positive would necessarily i mean you could always argue that something could have happened right like there, that something other than gundam wing could have come along um, but it's, it is a particular flavor of thing in such a way because of the various, you know, for lack of a better term, like particular flavors of boyfriend that a particular group have had or girlfriend in some cases and how with the time period being what it was and the internet being what it was in that particular moment and there being, you know, there are relatively few actual limitations on where you could get to on the internet when when we were younger mm, yeah <laughs> um and uh you know these these places were even despite that though and maybe you could speak to this also i'm not sure i feel like uh w- growing up we had a single family computer that we all shared uh and uh as a youngin i had relatively limited understanding of how to control what other people on the computer would be able to see I was doing, right? So I was particularly nervous about really stretching far beyond, you know, what seemed like quote-unquote official gathering places. But braver individuals than I, who I spoke to, went into image boards and, uh, you know, which would just be websites like GeoCities pages that are dedicated to particular characters, um, you know, something I, I could think of that was similar to for this or for individual games would be like game facts forums, right? But where those were less expressive and more sorts of quote unquote objective arguments about facts in the game or, you know, wild speculation in the case of game facts. What I found speaking to different individuals was that there were that Gundam Wing happened to serve as a, a sort of epicenter for the type of engagement that we now take for granted as part of fandom now, where you're talking about shipping and you're talking about, and obviously all these things existed beforehand, but Gundam Wing seems to be a pretty unifying factor in a lot of people engaging with like the critical and creative sides of fandom, right? Where like, you know, and what I'm mostly saying is that this kind of falls down a a particular sort of socialization, right? Uh, I, I think that depending on, cause I, speaking for myself, I, I, I think I went on a, a parallel journey to UPMC where, mm-hmm. um, I was looking for things regarding the machines more than the characters. And I ended up, you know, finding emulation and em- through emulation, you know, was able to satisfy whatever I was looking for and, and enter a whole new world, which is more of a Pokemon than what I was going for. But, uh, and then I think through that, I accidentally fell into some of these uh, uh, communities that I was referencing before. And, and because I had friends in them, I, I ended up in those more uh, creative uh, or not creative. I feel like that's that I, I'm trying to not to put too much weight on one group versus the other. Right. Mm, Where, yeah. Whereas one is positive and one is negative. Although I do think that the 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 branch that you and I evolved out of has has mutated into the the fan wiki sort of set and i don't think that's super helpful <laughs> right i you know i feel like to some extent uh i i remember one of the things that uh we we've talked i think we talked about this like some of our very first recordings 
mm. was the mindset of of people who are only interested in the in-universe explanation for why a mech is the way it is instead of seeking that i think more human connection of asking why the artists did what they did right you know so it, I, I don't know it, it, obviously that's that's a generalization and clearly we you know we're more interested now in in human connections so it's not like <laughs> it's not like right. a, if you were interested in robots you must be uh, a a weird uh wikipedia person but right. no, <laughs> but, no but, it's, it's 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 interesting i i think you know it's, and you're probably getting there just to look at how you were influenced by a work what socialization that then entailed based on your interest and you know how that's played out yeah so the thing i wanted to mostly in, invite to anybody listening in is if they wanted to share their experience for how, not necessarily even Gundam Wing, but if you wanted to talk about another show that we covered or what your gateway anime was and how you feel like it affected the way that you interact with other shows, it doesn't have to be anime, just whatever, uh, we would want to hear about it. Uh, if you would tweet at us at Pod, or if you wanted to send us a longer form email, uh, MechanationsPod at gmail.com. Both of those will find us. We'd love to hear it. And if we find that we are interested in your story. We'll share it on air. That made it sound more judgy than I meant it. Like we would be happy to share anybody's story. If you feel like it, just include it along with your email. Like I just said it in a way like yeah. our stories are we're, so much more interesting. We're going to rate your personal story on a one to 10 scale. <laughs> yeah, very right. objectively with perfect numbers. <laughs> oh, cheesy. Um, <laughs> the only other thing and I, I, I meant to talk about this before I, I brought up the conversation surrounding fandom and how you started to engage with the work, whether that was with fandom, because I will say there are definitely people who wouldn't describe how they they interact with like anime or books or, or TV shows or movies. Like uh, the idea that you would call like a, a, someone who is like a cinephile, like part of the movie fandom <laughs> would drive that person insane. But, but PMC, you understand the shorthand I'm saying, right? Yeah, like the way it, that you express your interest in a thing. Yeah. I think if you're listening to this, it's really important to sort of put aside any sort of pejorative or derogatory idea of fandom that you might have. And you know, understand that what we're really talking about is, that you know even if you weren't part of a you know a circular of, of a circle of friends sharing things on tumblr in the you know late 2000s or something you know it's really because you know the what i did was very isolated really yeah i had some friends you know at the time that i, I shared that interest with but you know certainly things like my time spent playing armored core legos was very sort of solitary but like that's still you know an expression of you know how i interact with those works and so you know i want to stress that this is very open ended, you know, that right. we're, we're, exactly. we're not, we're not like, no, we want, you know, <laughs> please share with us a photocopied, uh, you know, history of your Tumblr account. No, it's, you know, it, however it expresses itself, because that's, you know, that's, that's a part of, a part of history and a part of how we interact with these works, which I think is so much of, of what we, we do here. Yeah, the thing too for me that I'm I'm really interested in is how your your origin story and and if it interacts with Gundam Wing in some way when it comes to your your the way that you you love these works and interact with them then we want to hear about it and we will share those stories on air. Um speaking of air um <laughs> not to associate our kind listeners with <laughs> maybe my 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 spoiling my opinion of the the episode we're about to talk about then there is no need to waver. It isn't evil you're defeating. The ones that you defeated are the epitome of evil. Y you want to talk about some Gundam Wing? 
I would love to talk about it. I, talking about Gundam Wing is an easy mission for Wu Fei, as I always say. <laughs> I'm glad you remember these silly quotes that, with with these characters individually, because like, anyway, I, I will explain in particular my partner's feelings about Wu Fei in <laughs> the Return of Wu Fei. What's going on with Troa? Well, it seems somebody just kind of let him loose somewhere on Earth and happens to be picked up by Catherine from the circus, coincidentally. Meanwhile, we check in on a colony where Wufei has put on some roots. He is trained at the dojo and improved his Gundam, forming a Wufei-flavored bond with some of the residents. Romafeller come a-knockin' uh, for him and his Gundam, ugh, and his Gundam, and the colony is sacrificed for the sake of Wufei's battle. Question mark? Romafeller is meanwhile succeeding the battle but losing the war as Dermail struggles to come up with something to fill the vacuum left by Trays. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Catra has left the Sank Kingdom in order to seek out the Magwanok troops. He hopes he can muster the Magwanok to a cause he thinks is just, the protection of a nation upholding the ideals of true pacifism. Noin has been taking in more and more former Oz into the Imperial Guard, and when Hero confronts her, she reveals Romafeller has been making obvious power moves towards the Sank Kingdom, and inspects an all-out invasion in the very near future or next episode. Hero warns that he does not see the Sank Kingdom as sacrosanct, lol, in the same way that Catra does. Zex, meanwhile, 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 tries to communicate with Wufei in space, but Wufei be like Wufei, and it ends up forcing Zex to interface with the Zero System in a more significant way, giving him a bit of a taste. Wufei retreats? Question mark? And we cut away again to the circus, where it's revealed that Troa has amnesia, and that Catherine has taken him in as his big sister. <laughs> I think that's it. These two kind of bleed together for me a little tiny yeah. bit. Um, cause I think I might have that thing where Dermail, does that come up in this episode? I know it comes up in the next episode when he's b- building yeah, the death. No, so it comes up in this episode. Cause in this episode, uh, t- uh, Dermail declares, uh, Dermail stands on the deck of the, the, the airplane carrier and he says, uh-huh. a mission accomplished. Okay. The operation Nova is over. And, okay, but he says, yes, but now right. we need, we as a substitute for a charismatic leader, we need a Death Star. Um, <laughs> which, that's right. Which is like, you know, I mean, look, no, he's saying it's all text. Like, it's basically right. what he says. We need a huge spaceship, a peace million class spaceship, which apparently is a big undertaking. Not surprising, as we learn, you know, as we'll learn next episode, that it's <sighs> it basically requires the resources of all of space. Yes. Um, but there's al- already al- already one of them out there. Yeah. Somehow. You know. I don't... <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. It's not it's that fine. important. It's not we important. Really no, it really get... isn't. Yeah, no, it really isn't. No, we can't get stuck on that. It's not no, the... but... There's more important shipping to be done. <laughs> so, uh, I guess... I don't know if I... My summary kind of took the... It's part of the problem I had with this week, PMC, is mm. that um, we're entering into a phase of Gundam Wing, which I, I think is probably better for the general coherence of the show, but but definitely highlights how it's not very good, <laughs> unfortunately, is that um we are we are in a phase of the show where uh the stuff we are witnessing is is just like this boy. Okay, now what about this boy? Okay, now what about this boy? Okay, now what about this boy? And and like while that's good in a sense of like, alright, 
all of them are, we now know what all of them are doing in whatever corner of the, the setting that they're in, but it's bad in that it, it clearly highlights how there's no unifying idea to it all. It's, it's not like a story that, in other words, where there's like a, there's a point that they're getting to. It is a, it is a plot where a series of things are just happening. And like, that doesn't have to be like, let me be clear about something. There's much joy to still be had. There is, there is, there is very silliness. There is <laughs> extreme sort of choices. Like we are, we are um, blessed in the first few minutes of this episode with a melting Troa, um, who, who is truly stunning. Um, this this melting Troa. Okay, so so PMC, I I have a question. Please, do you do you do you have any memory of the Troa story? Like like if I was like. Uh, if I'm the astronaut behind you and I'm like, tell me, tell me what happens to Troa Barton in the show Gundam Wing. <laughs> Would you have told me that at one point he gets amnesia? I don't know if I remember this at all. <laughs> I definitely remembered him getting ejected into space. Uh, the amnesia part is a little more distant though. Yeah, I, I we- can't. Uh, wait, I I need to sort out some some textual stuff here because okay, okay. you your summary caused me a little bit of doubt on on one plot point. Okay, uh, and, and let's just say right now we are I, this this is going to entail a little bit of what happens in the next episode. But I feel like to to sort things out with Troa over the course of these two episodes is the circus on Earth or in space? Oh, um. Well, I assumed it was on Earth. I assumed that it was not in the space, but but now that you mention it, that would make more sense. But right, I, I didn't- duo's in space, and duo runs into them. No, you. I think you're right. I think it's on a colony, and I just didn't catch on to that. Does I it rain right. in space colonies? Oh, I don't. <laughs> this is where I am. All right, <laughs> help me. <laughs> I mean, okay. So the I, I I guess the question is though I they it has to be they have to be in space because we see okay. duo we see duo in the next episode and he is in a future recording spot for machinations. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where there are obvious visual representations of both Ignis and PMC. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, but those guys will very much later re- be revealed to be um, angry space colony people who will eventually become White Fang. Um, but that suggests to me that they're in space. You're right. I think you're right. That's something that didn't even... I'll be honest, PMC, didn't even fucking occur to me. <laughs> Why? How does a circus have the budget to go to space? It's a good circus, man. It must it's, be a good circus. I think it's the hot clowns. I don't want to jump yeah, ahead to the next episode, but it I must be the fucking sexy clown men, I guess. <laughs> that was... Because, like, I was just thinking about it. And, like, obviously, if you're watching the show, your first thoughts are, like... Why would someone rescue Troa and dump him on the street with amnesia and to melt in the rain? Like, so there's just a series of like, you know, questions. And like, and some of that is okay because the situation of Catherine finding a lost Troa with no memory is melodramatic enough. Yeah, sure. That, that it's like worth it as as a Gundam Wing plot point. You're like, you know yeah. what, Gundam Wing's gonna do this. Exactly. Exactly. So that's not a big deal. But then you got to take a step back and you're like, wait a second. The circus is in space? And, <laughs> and Duo and Hildy go... Th- I mean, we'll get to there soon. But like, 
I'm glad we were able to sort sort that out. Obviously, like I, you know, we don't know. We already didn't remember the amnesia plot point. So in terms of how this is is going to pay off, well. Correct me if I'm wrong, and this is, again, this is, like, me half-remembering past, re- you know, I did research on the characters before we started this show. Um, it Doesn't it turn out that Catherine is, is Troa's actual sister and not pretend sister? I, I think that Troa is a mystery baby who happened to fall out of... A, a carriage that Catherine and he were in with their parents. He was raised as an um, anonymous war baby and then happens to rejoin the circus here. I, I believe that is true. I would put some internet bucks on that. I'm not sure if, uh, if people will take me up on that, but I believe that we, that will end up to be true. It doesn't matter here. It really truly doesn't. Um, I I was uh, I was just surprised to see that that's really they're doing that they're doing the the actual and you know what I don't actually mind the soap opera amnesia like that's at, you know apt for Gundam Wing right like if anything that's leaning into a little bit more what I would prefer Gundam Wing to lean into but yeah that's I I it didn't even occur to yeah. me but they they must be in space so right. You're right I mean I mean the good thing about the arc too I think is that in in Catherine yeah uh, you know you you. In this situation, you get a voice of someone who's like, you know, what what's the personal cost of waging this kind of war on these boys? Which is something that I feel like we almost started to talk about at the end of the, the first season when the yeah. scientists were like, wow, we sure did make t- teenagers into super assassins. I guess they weren't able to handle it. Whoops. Um, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I am glad to revisit that because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's worthwhile what Gundaming will do with that. I have no idea. Yeah. I just wish I knew, I, I kind of agree with you in a sense. Like I, I feel like there's a a phantom menace that agrees with you within me, (laughs) but like what I, what I mostly mean by that is there, I just wish I had any faith that that was the trauma that, that, that Troa is experiencing and Mm. it's not just whoopieification. You know, where he's just, like, even more an object to be sort of, like, fawned over and protected, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's It just feels like, you know, and I, didn't, I shouldn't expect, like, <laughs> like sincerity in this subject from Gundam Wing. I, I should not. Um, but it just feels a, a little bit on the nose to me, but not in a way that I, I really... I feel like, thank, or, you know, in a mixed way, Wufei gets to sort of suffer more of my scorn in that regard. Yeah, in this okay, well, let's let's talk about, I guess, the, the main entree, the title attraction of this episode, which yeah. is, uh, you know, the return of Wufei. Uh, we, we, we find Wufei, I guess, at his home colony, you know, interacting with, with his teacher... And uh, things escalate very quickly. Uh, okay, PMC, I don't mean to stop you no, immediately. Please. I mean, that's why I stopped. I was like, there's so much to talk about here. And I I, I could tell you got something to talk about. I, I just... Are, is this his home colony? And is that a teacher? Like, or is this a colony and a teacher? <laughs> because... Okay, and here's why I asked this question, okay. PMC. No, go ahead. I, I actually want to no, hear... I mean, I, like, I mean my only... My, my reason for stating that was it seems to be the master long's point of view that wufei is the successor to whatever was going on in that colony 
Yeah, it seems to be in such a such a good <laughs> loaded term, but I understand exactly what you mean. Right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. But like, but that's all I could. So it wasn't. It, it, if I were to interpret based solely on Wu Fei's actions, it's not clear. I have to look to Master Long to make this assessment. But like, I don't know. And like. I don't know. I, I feel like I need to give you the floor for a bit just to get a sense of, of what you're no, thinking about here. I agree with you because, and, and I think we have to, We I will turn to my shelf here of, of literary tools and I will, I will remove from its sheath Occam's razor. And I will simply assume that the, the colony, okay, I will make a couple of assumptions. Assumption 1A is that the the uh, colony deciding to blow itself up was something that everyone on the colony definitely agreed to and not just the room of people in the dojo, which is my fear. <laughs> so 1A, everyone was on board with blowing up the colony and not just the people in the dojo. Um, 1B, I'm sorry, go ahead, respond, please. It's so bonkers that the episode makes a point of showing all of the bystanders when Oz initially attacks inside the colony, because I thought in in a sane world it would have been we already evacuated everyone, all the buildings are empty. Look how it's a ghost town when Oz attacks. But no, no, this is a colony. This there are people full here. Ass colony. Full ass colony. So so anyway, so one B is that um th- that it would have to be. Uh, a colony that means something to Wufei other than it, it protected him in the last couple months while he, 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 and the other, okay. And this is the, the other part of the assumption. It has to be, I would think it's his home colony because they have the ability to upgrade the Shenlong Gundam into the Ultron Gundam, right? Like, and that's, and we understand that was what Wufei was trying to do. He, he said to Nataku, we have to get a lot stronger because they're bad at fighting in space, right? And that's what most of these upgrades have been about, is about upgrading the machine to be able to fight in space. Right, because I think both both Ultron and Death Scythe Hell were like 80% when we saw them at the end of season one, and both of them needed to sort of finish getting right. upgraded. So, and, and so... I, I tend to want to agree with you. Think I'm looking at Occam's Razor, and it's saying like, yes, this is the 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 like explanation that makes the most sense, because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, it's total fucking madness. It's it's or not even madness as much as it's just like a sort of like naive or or like rushed storytelling. Well, like there is okay, but this here's here's another explanation. Well, here's for me, the biggest issue in the room, and I, I think you were probably going to get to this, but I do worry that the 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 extent to which the the writing was ready to have these folks sacrifice the whole colony for <laughs> Wu Fei and like I guess his development was felt. I'm concerned is some like kind of anti Chinese coding going on, you know? So. Like, I don't know, because it, it just seems like, oh, well, you know, we just sacrifice a whole colony. That's Chinese, right? Like, I'm concerned that's, you know, part of what's going on here. There's definitely, I, I think it's good to bring that up, because when it comes to Wu Fei, there's always a sense of, like, the, the coding that and signifies that they're employing for what he specifically does. And, like, there's, on one hand, part of what this episode is about is an attempt to sort of get us to empathize with Wu Fei's position of like, I am so fucking strong. I'm such a good fucking fighter, but fighting's 
is uh, the state of fighting, not him. He himself engaging in battle, which he enjoys doing, and like do, like in in a way. Um, but the state of battle is like inherently immoral, and he hates it. Um, and so his like his stupid idiot quest <laughs> that that this show thinks is good and cool is that like he is he wants to engage in like the ultimate battle to end all fighting but he also resents battles and hates being forced to fight because of how fucking good he is at it and so this episode so when master long is like like you the battle you know the battle of a mind is with oneself and what he's saying in gundam wing is uh you know you need to overcome your self-doubts and and you need to understand what your potential is and how to employ it in a, a way that is beneficial for you and those around you. But what Wolfei hears, because he's an idiot, is I must defeat my enemies. And my enemies are people who I don't like immediately in front of me. Because he can be a noble person with decent integrity, but still have a shitty attitude, which is like the case with Wufei. He's, he's, he's a stink boy. And, like, you know, this episode appears to be wanting to do something of a kung fu movie origin for him. Because the what what we're seeing here is a, like, it is, I, I hate to put it in this term because it's so reductive, right? But, like, mm, yeah. a, the, the way that many martial arts films that are, uh, you know, inspired by Shaolin temple teachings and, and you know, Shaolin, I should say, in general... Uh, start that way with like uh, the imperial forces invading the the sanctity of the school and the school being burned down and and this being the the sort of inspiration for or you know other stuff like uh 36 chamber of shaolin starts this way with a revolutionary teacher and and students being attacked by imperial student or imperial soldiers and it drives him to try and learn shaolin in order to like overcome the the empire and and what it eventually kind of comes to is is not revenge but like passing on his teachings basically like i mean he gets revenge <laughs> like he, don't worry he fucking, yeah it's a movie <laughs> yeah um but like that seems to be what they're going for here right and and especially the rushed way like so i don't think you're wrong to to kind of uh highlight how it's it's you know squicky it's it's in the the realm of squick but i i think their intentions were to invoke something a little bit more for lack of a better term like hollywood a little bit more cinematic than that um because it's pretty typical of a of kung fu cinema right yeah like, no i think it's good to bring that up and that, but also you know of course because of you know the amount of time they have uh you know it we we have to go through it uh, so quickly but i will say that it um you know i think the movies that you just brought up were and you mentioned that these are sort of inciting events at the beginning of a story right not, not episode 35 yeah. <laughs> well so this is where it, it lost me because my memory when i when i think about this i was like oh i could have sworn this was a flashback episode that that informed us of why wufei had particular sort of ire against oz and why he particular was so but like no this is episode 35 (laughs) and is happening in quote-unquote real time of 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 like the events of this episode so like it you're this is why i was like well maybe this isn't his home colony because like the way he 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 thanks them for a trace i'm sorry a place to train makes it sound like it's not a place he's been to Mm -hmm. before yeah right but that could just be gundam wing 
being words, you know, where it's just like, you know, what about like relationships to characters? Why should those be things that are traceable to human minds? Uh, you know, to that end, I don't think it's in this episode. No, it is in this episode. Um, I, <laughs> the first time I watched this through with my partner, um, who forgot Wu Fei existed until she saw Wu Fei's name in in the title of the episode, was I screamed aloud when it was revealed that Hero was just back in the fucking Sank Kingdom, because I was like, wait, what happened then? So wait, what? Because ha- like the last time, my dear friends in the audience, the last time we saw Hero was was passing out in front of trays after they had made their weird suicide pact. And like the next time we see him, he's just back at the Sink Kingdom with the Epion, and that's it. There's, it's just it. Like, and there's no question. There's no. And I said to my partner, I was like, "Well, maybe this is something they'll address." And she's like, "What show do you think you're watching?" Yeah, I mean, the closest we get is Hero being like, well, "Why did you let me have this anyway?" And like, that's it. You know, that's like that's how the show addresses it. Oh my god, I just I don't know. It's fine, I guess. It's just I think it's indicative of that thing that I was I was I was uh, hinting at before we began our discussion of of Gundam Wing, where Gundam Wing feels very plot driven rather than anything else right now. And like, there definitely is like you can see the shape of what's what's coming right where we're we're uh, we are uh, bringing the attention of the the show towards the Epion and the Wing Zero, right? Like the we can see how the the shadow and like even our, the narrator who we we you know despise has begun providing relatively decent information in what the Zero system actually fucking does, uh, because. We will later in this episode when uh uh Wu Fei I guess we could talk about this. Wu Fei gets a new mobile suit. It is the Ultron, an upgraded version of his Shenlong Gundam, uh who he still refers to as Nataku is the same being that he has always referred to it as. PMC, what are your how do you feel about the Ultron? The the, the, the Ultron Gundam. It's cool. I think it's got a, a a very neat color scheme. I like the the scorpion tail laser thing is very cool. Both arms are extendable, neat. It's got a cool staff weapon. I'm I'm pretty much here for it. I think it I think it I think it's it's great in the way and it's kind of the same way that Death's like Hell is great, which is that it really um you know, helps it into its its own mobile suit whereas I think before Shenlong was a little too similar to the the wing and some of its coloring. I think this this uh, model really stands apart. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that the Shenlong Gundam was in in you're referencing the the first iteration of of uh, Wu Fei's Gundam. The yeah. Shenlong Gundam had more of a more of the traditional Gundam white, red, and blue color scheme. Um, and I would wonder. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that that was like someone was like, "This is the main Gundam we'll have this series," and they were like, "Eh." We're just gonna make this another Gundam that's in the series, right? Like, I'm sure that happens all the time where mm-hmm. there's a bunch of stuff that's drawn up and they're like, ah, we'll use all of this. And the, the reason I wanted you to go first, PMC, is because I'm, <laughs> I'm not super fond of the Ultron so much personally. But here's what I'll say. Um, I came, I, I was ready to dislike the Death Scythe Hell and I came around big time when we met the Death Scythe Hell in earnest. Um, and the Ultron Gundam, I think what I dislike about it is that it feels to me like sometimes when you get iterative designs, um, there it's a little bit too much like there's a story on the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, appendices where we learn about 
one of the the orcs who are commanding the armies in Return of the King is this really visually memorable guy who has all these tumors on him. Um, and uh, Peter Jackson, the director, apparently when they were constructing the makeup for this guy, just piled on just just massive amounts of clay in order to represent like the level of like decay and mutation in this in this orc or uric. And, like, that's kind of how I feel about mech design that's iterative sometimes. Sometimes it just feels like, like, gear is just fucking piled onto the mech. And, like, the Ultron, I feel like, I feel like it kind of, like, I wouldn't subtract any of the elements that are on it. Because I think they all add up to the whole in a way that is, uh, accomplishes its, it, what it's setting out to do. Like, the color scheme, the dual dragon heads, the dual flamethrowers, the scorpion tail, like, all of that stuff is good. But the way it all adds up for me is just kind of a mess. I just don't. I, I think where it really loses me, and and uh, like this is something that I I don't, <laughs> I don't really like the beam weapon. I don't really like the beam staff weapon. I feel like it's in the way that I feel like duos is stylized in a way that is like it, it like adds to the total totality of that image. I feel like the. It's it's a little bit too G Gundam-y and like Holland Gundam to me, except you know for for like East Asian countries, you know, like it it in G Gundam it's fine because that's the idea, right? Like that's that's the well, fine. I'll put it in some air quotes. Like actually, it's yeah, contextually fine ish <laughs> but like here i don't know it it works better for me when we when we'll get to endless waltz i like the ultron custom a lot more than the the neutral and and like in a way that i don't you know i just think that whatever elements are are make it up in the custom form just sort of add up to a better hole for me but it is so cool this action scene fucking rules where it's using the like damaged colony and then later outside in space you know it's new you know, powerful green flame dealy bobs. Like, all that stuff is neat. It's it's just, you know, not... It's definitely probably my least favorite of the of the space mechs in my least favorite pilot. <laughs> I think of all of the sort of, like, version twos that, that we have in this show, Ultron is definitely the one that is the closest to being over-engineered. Yeah, I mean... It, we, it is we, the otter box of mobile suits. Yeah. Do you know what it, an otter it, box is? I don't think I do. Okay, so OtterBox is um, so you know we we live in an era where a lot of folks have smartphones, and you know some of us uh, are concerned because we rely so much on our phones that we get cases uh, or other protective means for the smartphones. Uh, and OtterBox is sort of like the uh, it's a brand of what I would call sort of uh, deeply over over engineered like tactical rubberized, waterproof, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, cases for gotcha. mobile devices okay. uh, to the point where, like, y- you might as well just have encased your phone in a brick, like an actual, you know, brick, like, because that's what's what you're doing. That's, you know, like, what, what, what do you, you're crazy. It's, you don't need, I mean, unless, yeah, you don't need a tactical vest for your phone. No, 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 no. So that's, that's kind of the idea. And I think Ultron is the closest to that. Especially because it's like, well, another arm, beam weapon on your back, a beam staff, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like little almost like wing type appendages, things like that. Um, so it's definitely, I think, the the closest to being too busy. 
Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a flip side to that, as we'll see kind of in the next episode. Although I could be... I'll ask you about that in the mm-hmm. next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I could be misremembering, and this might not be. But anyway, um, Wufei is is able to to handle the, the Romafeller... Uh, we just kind of talked about this already, but it's it's fine to lay this out. He handles Romafeller just fine. The mobile dolls he has no problem with, and he's he wants to fight a real fucking person, which is making the ideological position of our heroes a little bit messy. But what else is new? Um, <laughs> uh, do you do you think that's worth talking about yet, or do you think that's that at this point it's just like because for me it bothered me that he's kind of sharing the position of Trey's, but I, I understand why. In a way, like I, I get what they're kind of going for with that. If anyone was going to do it, it would be Wu Fei. I mean, Wu Fei is the Wu Fei is the idiot in episode. What was it like five or six or, or seven? Seven, I think, where he just got out of his Gundam and tried to sword fight trays. Like literally, right. the most perfect example of you know, like playing into your enemy's hands when you could just y'all know kill the boat. Yeah, um, I mean. Right, exactly. So yeah. if anyone is going to be, if anyone's going to have Trace's ideological position, it would be Wu Fei. Yeah, I mean, the, so he is able to take them out until they threaten the colony. And, and um, see, I just wish that that like Master Long was in a room like of like suited old men who were like, this is yes, this is best for our people. You know what I mean? Like, because that would make me feel at least a little. Even that wouldn't make me feel great because those are all like leaders and stuff. <laughs> And not like families and stuff that we see when the the Tauruses invade, but no. So they the blow up the colony blows himself up. We get some melted Wufei, which is fair. I, you know, this is a good opportunity to melt. I would say, um, and he is able to. I wouldn't call this a Skull Greymon necessarily, but he's able to defeat the the Romafeller agents there. And I guess this tees him up to not respond well when, when a certain Zex Marquise comes a knock in. This isn't really the, the order in which things happen in this episode, but I think this is a good time to talk about this. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, um, you referenced, of course, his battleship, the peace million, which he just, <laughs> you know, which he or his buddy Howard just kind of had in his back pocket. Um, Howard's relationship to anything so far is very much up in the air. Uh, we, I think the first time we saw him was helping duo and, uh, I think it's safe to say he has some kind of relationship to the science perverts, but the, the specifics of that are unclear thus far, I would say, but, uh, they show up, they find the, the Ultron and Zex is, Zex has kind of a fascination with the Gundam boys in the same way that everybody else has, you know, and he's, he just, I just want to talk with him. You know, is, is, is sort of Zex's attitude. Like, and my assumption is just like, you know, my enemy, enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of situation, right? Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a lot of, um, you know, in, in much the same way that we've expressed confusion about all of the arrangements of opposing forces uh, throughout the duration of the show. Uh, we are, we now arrive at a point where both in this episode and uh, as well as the next episode where people are like, Okay, Romafeller has the upper hand. Let's all get together and fight them. And you know, some some folks kind of pump the brakes on that. And uh, we, you know, Wufei Wufei for reasons is one of yeah. those. Wufei's. I mean, uh, I mean, you're you're hitting on something that I was definitely going to bring up, which mm-hmm. is that like, I'm not sure if I can exactly trace the levels of interaction that Wufei and Zex would have had that would lead Wufei to this sort of reaction, right? Other than that Wufei just sucks, 
which like you know is not a, not something that either of us would really contend necessarily but like so let's think about this in, so Wufei uh but he has helped the Gundam boys uh, a bit in like some m- m- operations and then of course he had his solo op- ops uh and then he helped Sally Poe one time uh and then he went to space got captured he, he got captured. He might have seen the initial battle between Zex and and Hero, like the very first time, mm. not the one in in Antarctica or or wherever. And I think that is that it. Yeah, right? I, I can't really, I can't really think of of any sort of specific thing. I, and the other thing I was trying to think of too was had Wu Fei because some of the characters. Uh, and I think particularly Hero and Troa uh, got to experience the uh, some of the dramatic consequences of the Wing Zero system. So I was like, right. okay, Wufei has a reaction to Wing Zero. Maybe this is more like, well, this guy is a former Oz soldier, probably not great, uh, and now he has Wing Zero, which is like a, a colony buster, basically. So and that's, I think... No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, that was pretty much it. it. Was like, okay, maybe it's sort of like, well, I've heard about both of these things, and and you know, two wrongs don't make a right. I'm Wufei. <laughs> I mean, I think you're right. It's just so it's just so loose, and like you're, I, it's fine though. I think uh, you know the 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 reasoning. I think is what they had in mind for this sort of confrontation, and I think also it's a it's another opportunity to to demonstrate the zero system's effect on a different pilot. Uh, you know, I don't think we learn anything particularly new about either Zex or the Zero System in this sequence. Like, it, it's more of the same that we've witnessed, um, you know, except none of the damage that we see or is teased actually occurs. I mean... Yeah, we get the, the one piece- shot off the wing of the Peace Million, and that's about... Yeah. That's it. Um, and it's more to Howard just being like, hey, man, what the fuck? <laughs> like, not cool, man. Yeah, I'm totally losing it. <laughs> Over the Howard's line. Not- like and you know we 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 you know we've hashed this out a couple times now but like man the translation of the script really is tough to deal with sometimes like they, there's there's really there's a moment where i just like marveled at the amount of time they spend saying words uh that are reiterating concepts that we understand but in a bold new incomprehensible way cuz like howard is talking about how the zero system eliminates like like it removes from the pilot the the fear of their own death um or something and like the thing that's the, the thing that's really tough about this is that like on one hand Howard is not a character we know at all anyway so like any of the judgments that he might have on the zero system wouldn't mean much to us in the first place but the the space that the episode is giving him now is the space that we give to a character who has some kind of insight on what's happening or or something that the audience should be privy to right like when you think about other scenes like this that's what's going on like if you think about like Gunbuster or something like that where you can see coach on his own like like reflecting on the the nature of the fucking gunbuster you know that sort of shit that he does uh but like here i'm not sure what howard is meant to communicate other than to kids who had missed uh the episode uh that you know what aired like uh two nights ago instead of a night ago and just like what the hell is the zero system one more time but that's not even that's not really typically how anime is structured at least not really um like there will be situations where especially in in boys or like shows aimed at boys where they will repeat information right but not like this like it is 
I don't know. This this is not something that that I feel like I'm going to be uh, hitting multiple times in this episode past this point but i I, this was where i really struggled with it when howard is is talking about the zero system uh we we've uh we haven't really talked about this but um noin is uh watching for uh uh the vermafellers movements around the sank kingdom and and is taking in trey's loyalists who who want to protect the sank kingdom in particular um this i i think is is consistent with how we've seen Noin handle uh you know other uh command positions right like i you know the first time we met her she had a close relationship to the her or the squad that she was leading right and she seems to be like you know in living in that some more where she's like letting them call her captain even though they're not in the same sort of military structure and you know all this stuff is kind of cool to see and and I think to invoke Stephen Hero a little bit here, uh, I, I think this is a peek into the show that Gundam Wing probably not should have been. That's like not what I really want to get at here. Uh, but I think that Gundam Wing benefits a lot from the boots on the ground perspective that Noin and her men often represent. Um, and it's sort of interrupted by or not interrupted by. Uh, it, it seems like the the writing has less interest in the the boys and their super robots at times. Like it, it seems like this sort of story about Noin and her relationship to these boys uh, could have been something to focus on for a bit. Or I'm and I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe maybe the the Magwanok could have gotten an arc in this show. You know, maybe we could have. Uh... You know, we could talk about that next episode. Yeah. We could, you know, the Magwanok don't make an appearance in this one, but uh, uh, I think what I would say is that it, it feels like these bits, and I think you know, Noin has starred in a lot of them, are sort of their attempts to con. Like we, you know, if if you look at uh, you know, Stephen Hero's history of Gundam Wing, you would discover that you know it's in some ways a mix of you know some of the past Gundam shows, and I feel like um, you know this is this is that Gundam specifically war you know war story flavor where you get that on the ground boots perspective, and uh, and it you know it, it I think it feels particularly effective or particularly sought after just because at you know times we're so we're so hungry for this sort of. When everyone else, you know, when when our some of our principal players are especially melodramatic, or some of our antagonists are especially like reductively evil in the way that like Dermail is, uh, to have these characters feels like a like a breath of fresh air, just because we need that groundedness. Right. It's, I mean, the thing about it that struck me was just that it's not really what the show is concerned about right now necessarily it, it the the thing that it is is a window into revealing that noin is is on the down low preparing uh for a, a Romafeller invasion by uh a recruiting oz trades loyalists and like you, you know something that wasn't clear to me on my initial watch that became clear once i had done my my first watch of the second episode um was that this is teeing up the the drama of you know this is that thing about that then why steven hero wants to trace all the relationships so well the drama of having a, a former alliance uh people join up with people who were not privy with the alliance or not up with the alliance and if i remember correctly 
Oz is funded by Romafeller, but was the weapons division or the military division of the Alliance. Is that correct? I, or they provided weapons for the Alliance? Is yeah, that it? so I think Oz was was both, uh, a, you know, they're the ones who provided the Alliance with your Ares and Leos and so forth. And, and I mm-hmm. think also were themselves a sort of um, core. It, I, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like, well, like, hey... Not only, you know, you wouldn't believe how much uh, war we can fit into this bad boy. Because right, not yeah. only are we going to give you the mobile suits, we'll also give you the soldiers. Right. I believe it, it would be like if, it, it, like, you know, if Amazon designed mobile suits and also had Amazon workers in the mobile. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's what's going on there, by the way. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Hey guys, would you like to be an anti-union intelligence officer? <laughs> Fuck you, Amazon. <laughs> Christ. Um, but um, uh, where where it leads us at this point is uh, to the reveal about the the way that and you know, we talked about this, right? This was the question that we had, which was like, why doesn't Roma Feller just put its boot up the the Saint Kingdom butt? And that is the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 like, uh, this this is so funny to me because I I think. I think Hero kind of needs to be woken up because Hero's like, well, aren't you playing right in the Roma Feller's hands by uh, taking in these soldiers? And, and knowing us, like, they're going to come after us no matter what we fucking do, you idiot. Like, <laughs> what do you, what do you, wake up, war baby. Come on. I, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's tough because on one hand, like, you know, the, there is this interaction, which you're correct to call mm-hmm. out, is sort of Hero being a, a stinky poo butt boy. But on the other hand, in the next episode, I, I think we get a pretty nuanced take on Hero's understanding of Relina's like ideals and mm-hmm. and where he and soldiers like him fit into it. It's interesting, like they that you know it, it maybe it's not interesting, maybe it's not that surprising that the the quality of the characters as they are portrayed will vary from episode to episode. Maybe that's not all that interesting. Right. Um, but- uh, I agree with you that that hero is 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 a real poobot boy here. He's just like, well, I don't really see the point of protecting the Saint Kingdom like Catra. Um, speaking of Catra, not much to say in this episode. He just leaves. He leaves to find the Maquinok, uh in a way that um, uh, seems kind of cynical, but uh, it's Catra, so I guess it's not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it definitely seems like he's like, well, I need help now. <laughs> And I know some people who worship me, so it's fine. I that's not how Catra thinks of it. That's not how the show thinks of it. It's it's, it's fun. we'll talk about it next episode. I don't really have a problem with it except for some choices. Again, you know, <laughs> they make some choices in the script, and you know, we'll talk about it when we get there. But yeah, Hero, I think uh, I think Hero is constantly playing off of, and this is everyone else's fault. Hero's constantly playing off of the idea that like his his the reason he's here and like his interest in staying around is like mysterious and not at all centered on Relina. Like for some reason, everyone nobody wants to play into that idea, right? Like nobody's trying to highlight, like, by the way, you know, if the Saint Kingdom is invaded and destroyed, like Relina dies probably. Or or something, right? Like and and this is just due to the way that the the whole character situation is set up and i've talked about this before how it's that leaving this gray space is more profitable in the long run right and i don't even think this is gray space i think they've definitely leapt onto the hero relina ship you know 
Um, I just feel like the that this is kind of uh, indicative of like the character who had that sort of interest in another character wouldn't really have the quote unquote space in the narrative to exhibit this kind of you know blase attitude about the you know the the possible consequences that could have fallen the other character without it being stupid <laughs> you know or, or frustrating you know like it's just that sort of anime thing where or not anime it's not particular that it's that sort of like will they won't they thing where it just depends on the individual episode uh i guess i think though that's that's more or less it we did because we've already talked about the reveal of um uh troa's amnesia um we we get a couple of of uh <laughs> Returned characters to the show um, in that uh, Catherine sports bra has returned to the show. <laughs> uh, and uh, in addition to that, we have, we have uh, uh, Troa's uh, clown outfit. And um, my partner had this great observation where, where she goes like, oh, it's, it's half a clown mask. And it's because he is not his full self. And I was like, oh, that's a good observation. And, and I was just thinking he wasn't a full clown. <laughs> Um, but, uh, 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 that either way, I, I think that, that more or less covers the return of Wufei. Yeah. Only which two is- things I would, I would call out. Um, first off, uh, uh, props again to, to Scott McNeil, who does an incredible, <laughs> like, leader voice, uh, yeah, in the bravo. meeting with Relina. Just absolutely astounding. Um, and then the other thing is that, uh, you know, we're talking about trying to trace the relationships. Uh, I couldn't believe that um knowing refers to uh trays as the right, right honorable honor- trays oh uh, my god as a part of the phrase the right honorable trays is gundam which is just like a series of words um I, so i, I don't know what to make you- of that i just thought it was worth pointing out you know i don't I know you're right to bring up both of those things. Um, first off, we should talk about the meeting with Relina. I think I kind of skipped over it just because it was it was yet another like I don't know, Relina. Do you think world peace is possible? And Relina's like, yes, yes, it is possible if we try. And they're like, wow, <laughs> yeah, applause, applause. <laughs> um, but I I do think that th- that scene is good in that or not good, but the follow up where Pagan is is basically like listen i understand that you don't feel confident in your ability to uphold your beliefs without you know compromising them but it's important that someone try you know and and i think that's worthwhile in this stupid stupid show it is worthwhile to be like hey ideals are good and projecting that you have them also good because it helps people feel better about having ideals too and maybe that's worthwhile Um, the other thing that, uh, the other, so his right honorable trays, um, I wanted to ask you about that because I feel like I've only heard that phrase in reference to judicial people, like, like specifically judges. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I was like, so wait, is Trace a judge? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Gundam Wing, if everyone was secretly a lawyer, because, I don't know, that could happen. Well, like, I was thinking, I mean, the the most, the my first thing was that the, the whatever term uh, that, that, that Noin was using in Japanese must be just very, very honorable, right? Like, whatever, or not, like, and what I mean by that is, like, like, honor in the sense of, like, 
uh, a, like military rank honor, yeah, right? Where it's yeah. like uh, referring to a a height of um, rank, basically. And uh, I I couldn't find anything specifically. <laughs> I just it's such a strange choice. It like, really it, it really made me think of like of uh, Neil Stevenson's Diamond Age uh, when they <laughs> refer to Kentucky Fried Chicken as uh, the House of the Venerable and Inscrutable Colonel. <laughs> Like I felt like, oh yes, the right honorable White Castle, you know. <laughs> That's really where it put my mind. I mean, I just, I just don't know. And you know, I already put out a a call to readers, like it, readers if, if, and listeners, if you have any, if you have any uh, ideas about what this could be, I I would love to know. Please tell us on Twitter or via email. Please, 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 because I I have no idea. Um, speaking of the the venerable and inscrutable White Castle, I, I believe here it comes over the horizon. Yeah, I wonder what true peace really means anyway. Huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing. Just delete that. Whoa, was that totally out of character or what? <laughs> oh, Excellent. I could fall for that clown. Sure, whatever. The Sanic, the Sanic Kingdom. The Stank Kingdom's collapse. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. So, knowing reveals the plans of Romafeller to invade, uh, but Rulina does not order retaliation or the preparation of defenses in accordance to her beliefs of total pacifism. Noin discusses this philosophy with Hero, who expresses in his Gundam Wing way that he understands those beliefs, even if he doesn't think that they can work against an opponent that has no shame. Katra finds the Magwanak Corps in a fierce battle with Romafeller troops and mobile dolls and joins the fray in a refurbished, question mark, sand rock to turn the tides. Duo and Hilda are at the circus, and Hilda is checking out the clowns when Duo recognizes Troa amongst them. When confronted, it's revealed that Troa is in a vulnerable state and that he doesn't recognize Duo. We learn that in the absence of a tangible solution, Dermail is engaging in some retail therapy by ordering the construction of a space weapon designed for something that seems like shock and awe. Romafeller does indeed invade, and the Imperial Guard fight to protect the Stank Kingdom while Dorothy and Relina have a more direct confrontation of philosophy. The Imperial Guard are supplemented by Monogonok Corps and Piatra, but the battle is still very dire. The mobile dolls push forward, and civilians, including Relina, remain in danger. Relina comes to a conclusion: rather than risk aid, or I'm sorry, rather than ask for aid and cause more battles, she will surrender to the enemy, eliminating the reason for battle to continue. Hero, who left Hero, rather, who left the battlefield to con- uh, protect his allies from a zero berserk session, continues to fight the dolls in the name of Relina as she enters custody of Romafeller, a demon loose on the battlefield. Uh, so these sanct- uh, sanctuaries, god dang it, uh, the these summaries are going to end up being lengthy just due to the way that Gundam Wing tells its story. You know, something we discussed earlier in the episode, but. Uh, I I think that's all the notes. That's something that's that's kind of even though they they are kind of plotty and and driven by whatever just needs to happen next. They are at least all on a track. We just now have five tracks, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean you can see a little bit how some of them start to cross. Like you definitely 
get a flavor. Like I, I am happy that I think more often things in subsequent episodes are being set up by previous episodes, which is like a thing that helps me, a person who watches shows in an order, uh, <laughs> make sense of things. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just, it just like, ah, yes, like, you know, the catcher is doing this and now he's back here in the, in the sand kingdom and, uh, and, uh, Zex reacts, reacts to Relina. Now he's going to be, you know, in the next episode that we'll cover, cover next week, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's good. I, you know, I think maybe if we're to get to a big overall point, yeah. it does feel like this Sank Kingdom arc makes sense, but was for Gundam Wing especially strangely drawn out. It, yeah, I think that's that's something that it, I, I we could definitely agree on. I, I feel like it took them at this rate six and maybe even eight episodes, depending on what happens next week. <laughs> at least six episodes to tell a story that is uh, maybe two episodes long at best. You know, like as far as like what's actually the Sank Kingdom is successfully preaching pacifism in a way that ideologically threatens Roma Feller. Roma Feller decides to put an end to that using brute force. The end. Like, that That really is, like, uh, you know, w- the, the beginning and end of the story that they're telling in this arc and, like, where the meat of that story is, which is to say h- how the invincible boy bodies, like, fit into that as an ideal and what that mean that world state, to use a video game term, means for them. Like, uh, you know, I don't know if they use this time wisely in regards to that, right? The amount of time that they use, they spend in this, it, it doesn't really seem to be about the boys as much as it is, like, demonstrating the world state over and over again and reiterating the general state of play, right? Which is that Roma Feller is powerful. Uh, what Relina is doing seems irrational or naive or, or too idealistic. Um, and it's only a matter of time before quote unquote reality slaps it down, right? Which has been the like the closest you can call like tension in these last few, except for it. And its name is Epion, which is like like a fever dream of an episode. Like a <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing that I I feel like uh, uh, the, with this episode, it, it, you know, and we we talked about it a little bit in the last episode. It, it, the way that it starts by having Noin confront Relina with like the harsh truth right away, I just like so they're they're gonna invade and the numbers seem pretty bad and I I sorry I have been <laughs> creating something of you know you already knew about some of this but I've been I've been expanding that that Milsha I've been creating to protect us uh, because I think that your ideals are valuable because I have a big old crush on your and your on, on your brother uh, uh, and I'm I'm dedicate myself to stuff that I decide to do. Uh, and Relina is like, okay, so I understand all this information. So what I'm going to do is nothing. Have a good day. <laughs> and like, knowing, so knowing, it's, and, and to, to speak further to that thing that you and I are discussing about, like, man, it sure would be nice if, if character relationships were easier to trace in this show. Noin goes to speak with Hero. And in my head, I'm like, why? <laughs> Because on paper, in like an action figure sort of way, you can see like, Hero, one of our protagonists, speaks with our one of the measly side characters, Noin, you know? And, and that kind of like plot-focused way, I understand big picture. But like, 
why why does Noy know about Hero other than he's a Gundam boy and 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 how that kind of creates in him some kind of uh like warrior connection to Zex. Like that's that's the lightest sort of connection I can make there. Yeah, I mean I I think it's really, you know, knowing the strategist just sort of is like, well, Gundam boys are symbols. I know this uh from, you know, being a soldier in this world and from talking to Zex and other people. I'll get the Gundam boy to do the thing, you know, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I mean, like, someone, uh, there's an argument to be made about this being that thing I'm talking about, right? Where Noin is like, hey, Rulina is in danger, hero. Um, it's just that that's not the way that the show plays it, really. It just sort of seems to me, or the the the, 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 what, the times I watched it, it seemed to me like, you know, a side character going to one of the uh, perspective characters so that action will occur. Having said that, though, the way that Hero expresses his understanding of Relina's ideals and, like, his place in them is relatively comprehensible or compre- comprehensible in this in a way that I'm always, like, I always want to give them a cookie for. Yeah, like, yeah, in yeah. The, in the previous, you know, in the couple of weeks when we, we watched it and the, he had, like, a human conversation with Relina, I was like, wow. Gold star. Like, yeah, exactly. A plus. <laughs> and, and, you know, here where he's talking about, like, listen, this, it, like, a pacifism is, of course, the ideal, of course. But, you know, and I made a reference to this in my, in my summary, like, it, it only works if, you know, people that have the power are, are, have, like, some kind of ideal or a sense of ethics or shame. And, like, what Hero is, is hinting at is that Romafeller maybe does not. <laughs> It does not seem like they they have the they are attacking something that Romafeller will not notice the damage to right or or the damage will not be significant enough to actually stop it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no. I, I think I and yeah, and Hero, he's like, look, I'm just trying to fight the people who are using their power to conquer. Like that's 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 my my jam right now. Yeah, I hope he sticks to that. I, I, I hope so he. <laughs> I hope he sticks to that in a way that's like because I I I. I worry about something I, I didn't mention in my uh, uh, intro or summary that we did talk about previously is that the way this episode actually starts is that we see a meeting of uh, of one of our future Machinations recordings, um, and, and, and what it actually appears to be is some disgruntled space colonists who are secretly meeting in order to, to assess what their relative strength is and what they should do in order to resist the forces of Romafeller. And eventually it's revealed that Duo is there. And so do you remember when I talked about how I, I, I feel like Gundam Wing has uh, an interesting show hidden inside of it in regards to like the feet on the ground uh, and, and the, the sort of nitty gritty of this world versus the, the hero worship it does for the Invincible Boys. I, this uh, intro is kind of like very indicative of what I'm talking about because when Duo walks out of the meeting with uh, Mechanations, which he would do, you know, what we're supposed to think is like, Duo's so fucking cool. He doesn't need any of these like radical leftists or whatever. Like, he's so fucking cool. He doesn't need like a, like, like, uh, you know, a, 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 like, there's this, there's this thing, and like, I don't really know. This is, at least in America, I know where this comes from. Like, the, 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 this sort of tendency to, in, in like popular media, to paint like revolutionary action as sort of like embarrassing or not cool, right? Or like, like overzealous, I think is maybe the best way to put it. 
Like, I think about the Black Panther Party, right? And and how they're depicted in, for example, Forrest Gump, right? Like, just off the top of my head. And, and how they're depicted as, like... And obviously, Forrest Gump is well-known as a sort of, like, right-wing dream piece. But, like, like they're depicted as, like, comically overzealous, right? right. Do you think that's a fair yeah. description of them I, in Forrest Gump? it's extremely Gump? fair, yeah. And the way the duo walks out of this meeting here, it's, it's like, he, you know, I don't think it's supposed to be a, a cynical Code Geass, like he's too good for these fucking, you know, these concerned regular people who are, are risking themselves in order to better the lives for the people around them. I, I think he, he's just supposed to be above the, the pay grade of these, you know, the, the sort of rank and file here, right, is the thing they're trying to do. But it makes me do Ignis Maddox is go like, I would much rather, I would love for Duo to be like, hell yeah, we're going to invest here in this. And like, the reason he doesn't is because they're going to become antagonists, which by the way, I'm. I really want to pay attention to now because now I'm like, oh, because <laughs> I like these space colonists. I'm like, yeah, these people should be supported. Duo, you should definitely like. You could just take control. You could do the what Lelouch does, but sincerely, right? And and like lead from a place of <laughs> of actual sincerity and not to <laughs> right. use them for your own ends. You know, like, like that's the big issue here is that like Duo is like, well, why don't you have a full ten point plan on like how you're going to to, uh, you know, defeat Roma Feller and uh, assemble a new governing power and this and that. And, uh, and like, I feel like that misses the point of the urgency of the situation, you know, is that expecting, expecting revolutionary action to be perfect in its design and execution uh, misses the urgency of the action. Right, right. And I think... I, okay, so I think now in this conversation, I am now understanding the bit that happens next, uh, which I did not understand, <laughs> which is that Duo meets up with Hilda and an anonymous dog. JPEG um, dog. That's JPEG dog. I know yeah, what that J- dog is. Yeah, that that's dog JPEG is dog. You're right. Seven. You're right. Jake. That is JPEG dog. Excuse me. Excuse <laughs> uh, JPEG dog, Hilda and Duo meet in the park and Duo... You know, he's he is reflecting on how the meeting was, quote unquote, not going anywhere. And he didn't just fucking leave because he was bored. And he, he he wonders what true peace looks like. And and Hilda looks with, at him with some surprise. And he is also like, you know what? To forget that. I don't know where that came from. It didn't sound like me. And I was like, I mean, unfortunately, we haven't really spent that much time with you to make that sort of uh, to really arrive at that. But I, I guess what they're getting at, and and what, what how this was outside Duo's character was that he was thinking ahead, right? That he was concerned about how to to once everything was done, how to achieve an actual state of peace, and not just concerned about how to be the god of death once again you know and that was what was out of character for him and and i'm only now coming to that conclusion because i was like i don't know how that was out of character necessarily to to wish to not be killing people anymore that seems like a pretty normal thing to want normal day i'm having here where i don't want to kill people so they run off uh uh, hilda i guess is the bored one today let's go do something (laughs) fun uh so they do uh eventually but Meanwhile, we do catch uh, Catra, who has found the Maguanak, who are just fighting some mobile dolls in the desert somewhere. Uh, I don't think we get a specific. We do see a map of the uh, the Sank Kingdom, by the way. Did you? Did you, I? I didn't look really. Did you look and see where what that's supposed to be? Is that like a? 
it, like it, a, a fake. Honestly, I think it, I think it's supposed to be like a fake Monica or something because it looks like a like the way it's like drawn on maps to me just screams like Southern Europe, Northern Mediterranean sort yeah. of bullshit. So like, that's always been my assumption at this point. I haven't actually looked up anything to confirm that, but that's just that my, my right. guess. That seems right. I'm going to back that up. But they, I do like that Newport City is very close in my brain to New Pork City, <laughs> uh, which I was not prepared for. <laughs> um, but Akatra, he, he he happens upon the Magwanak Corps who are in battle. And uh, we, we, we've talked about this before, but like shout outs to the Magwanak Corps mechs. They rule. They're cool. They, they're they're all awesome, including even the ones that are just like like a shoe with a cannon shooting out of it. I love those guys. Um, so Katra re- joins the battle. The Magwanaks are happy to have him. Uh, and uh, there is a pretty... Okay. The sequence itself, divorced of anything else, is extremely sick. Yes. Where uh, the sand rock... Uh, it um, emerges from the sandstorm with the Magwanak behind him. You know the 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 Lord has has taken his place amongst his people, and and you know they get second win from the return of their king. You know, so to speak. Uh, here, uh, something that that stuck out to me like a sore thumb, though. Other than uh, obviously, obviously everything with Catcher and the Magwanak is like. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, I, I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record here. And I, I definitely have talked about this before with Catra on, because there's a, a real dissonance where I, I like Catra and everything he's about. Um, but his, the, the, his, I don't want to even call it whitewashing to me is it, it kind of covers over the complexity of what's going on <laughs> with the what's the whackness of Catra. <laughs> um, but like whitewashing is a pretty elegant way of putting it. Um, and, and I specifically choose that terminology because in the sequence where the sand rock is revealed, um, the, the, the terminology that the script uses is um, it describes a white body that's that's destroying the, the Romafeller units behind enemy lines and like mm, I know mm, I know what they mean I know they're talking about the sand rock which is predominantly white like as a mobile suit I know what they mean but the thing is and the reason why I brought up the Magwanak mechs and the reason that, that they're so awesome they are pretty distinctly brown Pretty precisely brown. And so for the super mega sand rock to be described as the white body and have, you know, I get it. They're doing a Lords of Arabia thing. <sighs> the other thing I would point out, too, is that I feel like uh, not only is it brown and, you know, we're thinking in terms of, of you know, of, of skin tones, but also yeah. I feel like uh, the sand rock has a lot of um, sort of uh, bird wing motifs, feather motifs. Sure. And again, the Magwanoks are very much uh, earthen as well, is another way I would phrase it. 100%. He definitely definitely has that sort of thing going on. And I, you know, it just, it adds up. It's just, because it's a sequence is cool. I don't like the sand rock. He does a cool thing. He throws the heat scimitars. It's cool. Some, it's nice. It's fun. You know. Yeah. It's, you know, shout outs to, uh, you know, the sequence where it walks out of the smoke and you can see it's cool glowing green eyes. And it's not like the Death Side's glowing green eyes. It is a different thing because the Duo and Gatra are different people. 
uh, anyway, uh, they reunite the Magonaut Corps. They're like, let's let's go kick ass. And Catcher is like, that sounds good. Let's let's <laughs> let's fucking go. And uh, we see the duo and Hilda. The fun place that they go for some reason is the circus. Um, and uh, uh, Hilda is like, check out that clown. Holy shit. <laughs> and it cuts. Hilda is down to clown. And it cuts and it's just Ahsoka. And it's just. <laughs> um, uh, shout outs to people who've watched Hunter Hunter. But no, it's Troa. It's not Ahsoka. <laughs> Uh, it's Troa and Duo's like, oh shit, I know that guy. <laughs> I feel like so- someone's probably done that by now, especially since there is, uh, you know, the 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 dub of Hunter Hunter is now much further along than it was when I watched all of Hunter Hunter. When I, and I had watched the subs, uh, you know, I watched the full thing, and I can just imagine now someone taking the the Hilda. I could really fall for that clown, and then like cutting in Hisoka doing I don't know, literally anything that Hisoka does. There's a particular moment in Greed Island where uh, Gon and Killua need to find strong fighters in order to build a team in order to play dodgeball. Uh, don't worry about it. Watch don't worry Island. about it. It don't. <laughs> um, the, the, one of the people they run into is Hisoka uh, for reasons, and Hisoka is bathing and Hisoka is the type to not necessarily rush to go put on clothing when other people are around. Uh, and and <laughs> they have a, a Bisky with them, Biscuit Kruger, and Bisky is uh, <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> and I imagine I, I thought of Bisky right away when, when Hilda said her line about clowns. <laughs> but uh, in any case, uh, here do I recognize Troa from work? Um, and so he i so so did he just like walk backstage yeah i believe like, duo would do that duo yeah, is 100 percent would do that duo is the sort of person who would just ignore like a like crew only sign and just be like that can't stop me i can't read yeah <laughs> what is a cast member that must be me i can go behind stage in disney world duo maxwell <laughs> It's and so uh Duo tries to um uh, tries to have a conversation with Troa, but Troa Troa Troa's not doing so good. He's uh he reacts pretty poorly. And Catherine doesn't really <laughs> Catherine bless her heart, she she doesn't really like like hide anything. She's just sort of like, Yeah, he's got amnesia. He he's no good for fighting anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, Well, I feel like saying this in front of Troa is <laughs> isn't gonna help the cause too much. Cause eventually he's gonna be like, wait a minute. <laughs> I have what? Wait, what? Yeah. Because already he's already he's already kind of concerned about the word Gundam. Like in the previous episode, when we cut away on his his not quite a full clown mask, uh, he, he is he has recognized the word Gundam from the uh, the Ringmaster, right? Uh, uh, and here it seems like I mean that's what amnesia stories, right? It's just the the it's counting down to the thing that that triggers the 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 memory or. The realization that Troa is faking the whole time. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that this is some kind of <laughs> like fucking uh, um, ocelot pretending that <laughs> the liquid is <laughs> possessing. <laughs> Do you remember that Metal Gear Solid Four? Like a twist of Metal Gear Solid Four is they reveal that ocelots have been pretending the whole time to be possessed by an arm. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> Like, and it's not how they present it either. It's like, oh, he engaged in self-hypnosis or to, like, implant this liquid person. Like, no, he's pretending. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mechanations listeners. Like, uh, I mean, probably if you listen to this podcast, you've played Metal Gear, right? Like, it's a mech game. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it just wouldn't surprise me to learn that Troa is doing something similar, right? Like, he hypnotized himself into amnesia. <laughs> That's Gundam Wing shit, right, PMC? <laughs> right, and especially, too, you know, it could, it could make sense for some reason. You know, I mean, he got in... The circus is in space... And he's in the circus. Stranger things have happened. Right, exactly. So, now, uh, after we check in with uh, Troa and Duo, basically, that is when the Romafella action begins. We we see that basically everyone's mobilized, and despite what Hero was saying, he also enters the fray. Um, something that I kind of forgot until this episode when it... <laughs> When we were confronted with it directly, I, I, and I guess as a child, this never really occurred to me, but uh, Epion in its dragon form kind of flies crotch first. <laughs> like the way that it's presented, it never occurred to me, but I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it kind of bends itself in half in order to present as a two-headed dragon sort of thing. But really what you're seeing is just... Like, it's flying, like, head and and crotch first at us, and it's very interesting, and I had a hard time unseeing that once that had entered my mind, but it's it's fine. He's a terrifying dragon slash demon who corrupts the pilot within it. It's fine. It's symbolic. I don't have to explain shit. Here, you know, to follow on your initial point of, like, at least they're setting it up and paying it off. They're doing storytelling. Uh... Part of the payoff of, and its name is Epion, is the the drama of will Hero be able to keep it together in battle here, or or will he hurt his friends? Um, and the other thing that that is it, we're able to take advantage of is the the future uh, uh, storytelling that the the zero system allows, right? Because Hero gets to see a future where Relina gets Dragon Ball Z'd into the Shadow Realm, and and you know we can understand how this would have a, a strong effect on him although it doesn't he, he doesn't do what he, what he does is that he further separates himself from the the other uh 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 you know members of the imperial guard in order to just fully go hulk berserk somewhere else to uh, uh the new uh theme song that that doesn't i don't think we'll be playing in the next episode but will eventually be playing well, like episode 41 we got a yeah. little bit yeah but this is the first time we hear it. Not right, to not to right. spoil, but but this um w- w- this song is um uh wave emotion is the name of this song. So, is it like rhythm emotion? I thought rhythm or? emotion. You're right. Okay, you're right. Yeah. Rhythm emotion. You're right. But that's cutting ahead a little tiny bit. Right. Uh, because, right. We'll get there. Because uh, Noin is is confronting the uh uh you know we I feel like we mention this every time, but uh the grunt mobile suits rule. This this fight between grunt mobile suits is great. It has a, a like. Actual sort of like once the Magwanok show up, um, I'm I there are some characters there who I, I have an actual sort of emotional stake in somewhat. Noin, uh uh Rashid and all his boys, uh you know, um and, and then of course the dramatic stakes of whether Hero can keep it together or not. And I'm like, Yeah, Gundam Wing. Gundam Wing. Yeah, Gundam Wing. Hey, you know, and and it's that feeling that I got in um Zero meets the God of Death, where I was like, oh hey, Gundam Wing, <laughs> it seems to understand itself. There are moments where Gundam Wing understands exactly what it is, 
and it executes all the stuff it does really well uh, on blast and it's like oh okay yeah this show is good and and the thing is the it, it unfortunately has the effect of putting a big spotlight on all the stuff it chooses to spend its time on otherwise and like it just it's not uh, it, it reminds me a lot of like it, it, in my youth if i was like working on a, a creative project and and i understood while working on it like uh this isn't holding together in the way that i envisioned and this isn't i'm not quite as good as i'd like to be at this other part of it and i would keep going with it anyway just because it felt like it was necessary in order for other parts to be there and and like and now you know with with a little bit more like if i could go back and do that project again i probably just would skip that shit <laughs> you know mm, yeah, or find yeah. a way around that stuff and and it feels like with gundam wing we're we're constantly sort of wrestling with like ah it it sort of has this idea, but it declines to actually engage with it or actually sort of like follow it through because it, it wants this, it has this other overall goal in mind or it's just not interested in following it through. And at least now with the Zero System becoming like this overshadowing force over the entire plot, um, with each Gundam boy having like thoroughly entered the stage in some way or another, it is like arriving at like a point you know, like it, there's no clear like story yet <laughs> other than like follow five Gundam boys. But there's at least now, like, like I said, at least five tracks to follow. Right. And hopefully and, and here's the thing mm-hmm. in my mind, I know that, that I, I am I've created a point, a, a, a an end that the uh, Gundam wing will eventually get to that in my mind is a good one, like a quality one, a valuable one. And that end is called Gundam Wing Endless Waltz, right? Like, my memory is that Gundam Wing Endless Waltz is a, what is it, like, uh, fucking 50 minutes or some shit? It's not like an hour and a half, right? Yeah, it was, because the version that we all remember was the was the movie, which was a cut from the, like, three-episode OVA or whatever. Is that yeah. how it is? Yeah. 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 So, so about, with those three-episode OVA, my memory of them is that they are just what Gundam Wing is good at for their entire run time. Mm-hmm. And that's why Endless Waltz is remembered well, right? Uh, and and I feel like Gundam Wing is edging its way closer to that. I don't... Do we see the Sandrock participate too, too much in this battle? I don't, I don't it, feel like it, right? Yeah, not really. I feel like most of the Sandrock was that first thing where, where Catra saves the day. Yeah. Is this... This so the Sandrock doesn't really get like a super iterative version in the Gunwing proper. I I I'm, I don't think I knew so. That. It's like a, yeah. It, I think it's some extra flourish. I feel like it's got bigger. It's the the shoulders are more eighties, but I don't think it's a substantial upgrade. So I think if I remember correctly, it still has its Uzi, but I don't think it can do that thing it used to do where it would like put the scimitars in the shield. Mm. Like, I think it can't do that anymore or something like that. Um, but it doesn't really get, and I don't know. I don't know if I can speak to why this would be. I don't know if this is just like the sand rock is just too grounded in a literal way. And, and like, they didn't think of the like, uh, big cape that it has in uh, 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 Endless Waltz that, you know, is cool, but... The Sandrock's uh, Snuggy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's Master Chief's Snuggy that he has. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Um, but yeah, you know, the reason I ask is is mostly just to to sh- uh, highlight how the Sandrock doesn't quite get as as much going for it as like. And this is what I was bringing up in uh, the last episode in discussion with the Ultron. This is kind of the flip side of that right where like i almost wish i could take the ultron's like scorpion tail and give it, yeah, to, the give it to the sandrock so we'd have like ah yes this is truly the second <laughs> mobile suit the second yes. sandrock it's it is at least it would be something even if it wasn't like thematically really anything but in any case the, the battle continues uh and dorothy finally gets on relina's nerves <laughs> I I can't wait the next time I encounter someone who's like really into into like wargaming or something and to tell them I don't have time for their war hobbies. Yeah, war hobbies. Which is just like I like oh damn, you got got. <laughs> I mean like that seems like a massive burn from Relina in my opinion. Like it really that's, seems that's like war. she That's a declaration. It really seems like she was done with Dorothy's shit in in that particular moment. And, like, I appreciated that again. Like, it it really won some points back for me as far as, like, my general opinion of Gundam Wing. Because the more that the characters like Relina, who have, like, in my mind, more of a sense of identity and more of a sense of personhood and interiority, the more they fail to act up to that, the more faith I lose in this show. Um, And so in this moment where she's just like, Dorothy, I swear to God... I, like I was like, thank, thank God, <laughs> you know, um, and and I think you know my my problem with Dorothy has always been that uh, it feels like Gundam Wing, the the show, the apparatus, the writing apparatus of Gundam Wing understands Dorothy's position better than it understands Relina's. Like, I feel like one of the the one of the main things that it's accomplishing i guess is is showing how it it feels like dorothy's ideology is more fully thought out than relina's like that's the argument that she's he's putting forward is the idea that like okay so your my ideas are maybe ethically bad but the my ideas they are they start somewhere and and they can start to provide a structure at some point right whether that structure is good or bad eh, i don't really give a shit about but it it imposes some kind of hierarchy right and that's closer to order than not right um and and i feel like relina not having a and i'm not saying that she didn't have a comeback to that but the fact that we're not shown a sort of ideological sort of return to that other than like nah uh you know i just wish gundam wing had an answer to that just because then i would have a little bit more faith that this is an actual ideological position and not that dorothy is just romafella relina right i don't know do you have a take on all that did i did i go too long yeah no, i i think i follow most of that i think the i think the question in this is you know so What's interesting to me is that several independent characters uh, sort of echo what what Dorothy begins to tell Relina, which is, "Hey, the thing to do now is to to pick up on this thread that the show keeps presenting to us uh, that there are these disparate elements that could be formed into an anti-Romanfeller coalition. Like this is this is the course. This is I studied political science and war. I'm Dorothy." And I think you should build a coalition to oppose Irmafeller. They're all just waiting out there for you and your, you know, inspiring leadership to go. And and really was like, no, this is the same thing that we keep doing, and we need to stop doing it. And um, and the question that 
I don't know if Gundam Wing is, is presenting Relina's course of action as her answer, if it's ideologically meaningful, or if it's just Relina stamping her feet shouting, no, 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 I won't build a coalition to you know create a war that opposes Romafeller. Um, and so I, I sort of couldn't suss that out. I thought it was interesting that, you know, that there's this peanut gallery. Like, Tuberov does it, too. When, when Relina does the announcement where she says, you know, I'm, I'm turning myself in, even Tuberov, as the announcement's beginning, is like, oh, she's going to build a coalition. This is what I was, you know, this is what I was expecting. This is the, the thing to do. Right. So it, it's, it's interesting that Gundam Wing is like, yeah, yes, a bunch of people would react this way, including Dorothy Tuberov. Uh, the space colonists, uh, you know, that are going to become White Fang, etc. Well, uh, well, some of them, not all of them, obviously. Well, <laughs> some of them don't want to well, build a coalition. Well, well, I think what's happening there is what's is basically uh, Relina is bucking the paradigm of thinking, right? Right. She, like, yeah, exactly. Um, and and so what what she's doing there, and and this is what I was saying, so. Uh, Dorothy is talking about how the the ideals of of war, uh, in general, and and that conflict should determine the order of things, uh, uh, is like even if it's tyranny uh, or 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 despotism, which is what Relina uh, accuses her of, that that these are better than the the chaos of something like pacifism, where there isn't a clear leader for whatever reason. Uh, because even if there it causes damage, it is some kind of order. It is some kind of yardstick to or to measure off of. And it, you know, Occam's razor to, to Dorothy means that it's maybe the best one, right? And so what she's proposing there, um, when she's when Relina's like, no, fuck you, that's not that's nothing. I get out of here. <laughs> she's you know, like and uh uh Dorothy is like, man, even when you're wrong. Your ideals are, are so bright that it makes you beautiful, and you could use that beauty, right? And, she, and you're, what does what does Dorothy say though? She says, "I'm an even bigger fan now." Well, well. So I actually want to get to that after she <laughs> okay. does her big announcement, right, yeah, like because yeah. you're right, she does say that. But in the before the big announcement, Dorothy even is saying, "Like, listen, like you're so brilliant, you shine so brightly when you talk about your ideals, surely." If you ask the Oz loyalists and the surrounding nations for help, they'll come to your aid. Um, and this is speaking to what you're talking about, right? Where uh, yeah. Dorothy is like planting the seeds for this because to her, this is like this is what you would do. This is right. the exciting conflict. This is this is Dorothy being excited to live in 2020, and the and, rest of and, us are like, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> and and you know, Tuberoff and Dermail are both like career politicians essentially right and so what they're they're thinking is the the move that that benefits relina personally the most while also appearing publicly to be the most like uh you know uh, politically expedient right for for her in in their minds but uh, i'm being like you know to be clear i'm talking about their perspective on right exactly yeah um and so that's why when when she begins Tuberoff is like, oh yeah, she's gonna fucking call for help. That's that's a canny move, you know, because uh, they can't even they they would never the idea to to just surrender to just be like, okay, I don't play your dumb game. I don't I I quit. I don't play your dumb game. It, it doesn't cross their minds even one because I think the narrative is counting on us, the audience, to not consider that an option just because 
you know, I think reasonably if an invading force is invading with this much force, like just being like, okay, I surrender, would, they would just shoot you, right? And another, like, and I'm not saying this to criticize, oh, Gundam Wing is so unrealistic. What, what I'm saying is it's the type of narrative where that this is an effective action. That's not a criticism. Sometimes I've I've criticized stuff like this happening in Gundam Wing, but... PMC, you see what I'm saying, right? That that it's the type of narrative where this side of sort of ideological action means as much as a, an action with a a beam saber or a beam rifle, right? Yeah. With that, you know, uh, she has decided to make a move that is wasn't on the board as far as anybody else could see, and this is where Dorothy, because Dorothy kind of puts her money, as far as we can see so far, Dorothy kind of puts her money where her mouth is. And, and for the most part, she seems to, she seems to see this as like, like, wow, what a powerful maneuver. I didn't even see this coming. This is even more powerful than you could have done. You're still captured for the record because you did surrender, but damn, this is going to be annoying. Because she does warn Relina. She's like, I'm really not sure how Romanov is going to react to you. Because <laughs> they, they expected you to die. Like, they were going to kill you. Yeah, and they, I guess they've tried multiple times, let me tell and, you. <laughs> and I guess I was going to die too, and that's just my jam? Like, that's just my shit? I don't know. She's got a real, like, uh, like, she's, like, I, I'm not, um... The look she reminds me of, and I, she's not really like this character, but she really reminds me of what's her name from Code Veronica, uh, uh, Alfred's sister, the 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 powerful one, the the main antagonist of Code Veronica. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't. She reminds me of. Her. Yeah, I cannot remember. It's probably like Alicia or something like that. I, think I, it, I thought it was like Alexandria or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's it, it's, it's not that important. Alexia. Alexia, yes, there we go. That there that go. that sounds right. But Dorothy seems to be in it. We've talked about this before, where Dorothy's not in it for the politics; she's in it for the thrill. But like, I do question what the her plan was. I guess she just assumed that Relina, because I think the thing that they're all missing here is the lack of like ego for Relina involved in like the stakes of the battle. Like, she does not care. It, it like to win the battle she's not invested in it in that way and which is why she keeps beating them right like or at least like quote unquote beating them i'm very worried about what the future holds for relina and not in a like physical harm way but in a like uh i think this show has no morals or ideals <laughs> and so I think the worst thing that could happen is basically what happened in the first half of gundam wing is she just disappears yeah, no, you're right. That is the actual worst thing. I, I, I'm, my concern is that <laughs> my concern is that she is going to adopt an ideological position that the show presents as not c- conflicting, but is is oh, <laughs> explicitly yeah, yeah, yeah. conflicting. And I'm very worried about that. And like having to just watch the show and just pretend like this is a fine thing, <laughs> when just like the Trey's hero thing, where it's just like. The show is presenting me with something that's so obnoxiously <laughs> like 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 outside of the realm of how these characters should be interacting that I don't even know how to parse it. But uh we we would be remiss, we did shout it out earlier, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that in the moments where Relina is being taken away by Roma Feller, uh she is reflecting on what her future might look like and uh, rhythm emotion starts to play in the background and while that's happening uh hero is 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 going ape shit on some some mobile dolls and some soldiers it seems like yeah uh, in yeah. in and the, the reason i want to count, call this out in particular is that the the this is the epion being shown in what i would call a heroic light 
right? Definitely. Because this is a ball, a baller song, and he is fighting a, an explicitly antagonistic force that we do not like, invading the Saint Kingdom, inflicting damage on empty houses. <laughs> I mean, there were nice houses, though, it looked like, but it definitely w- was supposed to make the audience feel bad when the mobile dolls were blowing up some of the nice rich people houses, but it was just like, I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 definitely a bummer when we see Relina get sent to the Shadow Realm. That seems bad. Um, but but yeah, Hero is in the Epion, a, a mobile suit that we we are supposed to associate with badness. I would say at this point uh, is a dag nasty, evil looking you know some bitch. Uh, but uh, he he kicks some ass, and it's pretty cool. It's a cool song that I, I hope we hear more in the future. Uh, you know what is that? Like five episodes from now? So yeah, I, like, I think I want to say it's forty-one, but we'll we'll. I mean, we'll hear it when we hear it. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and uh, our future remains sort of uh sort of up in the air now with Relina being hauled off to Romafeller Town and Hero. You know, not necessarily unsure where his future lies, but like a a, a, a warrior who's in the position to just confront an enemy if 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 pointed in the wrong direction can be. <laughs> can do an awful lot of damage you know and and i i think that might be what gundam wing is about in in the future because i i you know it, it seems like in the preview uh we are we are setting up for a confrontation between the two zero system mechs yeah and i'm sure that will be it feels to me with the narrator re-explaining the zero system to us over and over again that the the show is uh you know teeing up a zero system conflict of some kind right and that seems appropriate because Hero and Zex have had this kind of relationship from the beginning, and then like you know they're doing that's the that's the thing, right? That's the the, the Amaro Shar, you know? Yes, you, that is you that's know. you know we we somehow <laughs> ended up there. <laughs> I mean, we're not there yet. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Yeah, maybe maybe it'll be uh maybe it'll be cool and make sense. I mean, Zex doesn't have a uh, a gallant Char to play, but uh, you know, there's maybe maybe they'll surprise us and just play gallant Char anyway. I'm trying to think here. I mean, we talked already about the uh, the death tickle, the 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 doom sphere that Dermale is is building, the 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 uh, um uh hurt ball, uh the sphere o fear o fear. But uh, 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 this, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, but like this, this feels right, right for Dermail. Like he wouldn't yeah. know what else to do. Well, you know, I, I think to me, what this does too is it begins to set up an endgame for the series. You know, like, like this definitely, oh, absolutely, smells like we need not because it's funny. Dermail is like we need a symbolic, you know, show of power so that. To like be perfectly vulnerable in the way that the Death Star is vulnerable in Star Wars, you know, it's like it's it's the same. You know, it's like poetry, it rhymes. You know, it's pretty much the same oh my idea. God. <laughs> no, I think that's exactly right. Uh, it, either way, it, it's something like it's a big thing to fight against Romafeller against, right? Or or for you know, if we blow up this big Romafeller thing, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, and and like it, the other thing is, it seems to be the cause of the the colonists being you know angry at Romafeller it seems to be is that the this project is draining resources and it seems like 
I mean, it's kind of, it just seems like the conflict that they already teed up at the start of the show, but for some reason they decided right. to reiterate. I mean, the whole thing is that the Alliance was using the colony's resources, and, you know, remember remember the opening shots where they're shooting the shuttles going down the runway, the Leos in the air? I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we, we're here again. <laughs> and, like, that, you know, there's a, mm, there's an angle where, like, maybe... Maybe that's the point, but it sure doesn't feel like right. that. You could do it, right? You could say that Relina's whole thing is that we can't just keep arriving at this point. You could do that. I don't know if that's what's happening here. Yeah, I can't say for certain. Maybe maybe we'll know for certain. Maybe When will then be now, though? Soon. Soon. <laughs> uh, one other point I did want to uh, touch on is... Uh, I don't know where this goes, but at, at the towards the end of this episode, Noin is like, "Hey, Katra, you want to go to space?" Oh yeah, and I guess they're going to space now. Do you think if you're Katra, you're a little bit? I'd be a little bit peeved. I'd be like, "Why?" Well, I, I just, I just I got just, here. I just came from space. <laughs> I was hanging out with my boys. We were, you know, doing some justice. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's fine. It, 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 you know. Uh, all the best arcs are in space, so we, we have at least that to look forward to, I guess. Um, I because I I'm with you. I I really don't remember where this goes necessarily. I, I, it's it's interesting because if you had asked me if I was a Catra fan on the internet circa 1997 and I was watching this drama unfold, I would have thought that Catra would be key. Oh wait, the circus is in space. Okay, so Catra, uh, I would th- think would be key to unlocking Troa's amnesia. Right, Catra right? has the closest personal connection to Troa, and they have that jam session that was absolutely right. not romantic. Everyone in any loves sense. doing music as a way of unlocking memories. That's you know, that's a well-worn trope. Yeah, shout outs by the way to uh, one of our listeners who pointed out that uh, Catra was playing the violin and not the flute. I think it was uh, either Troa or or Trace who was the flautist. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It's all pretty phallic. Oh, <laughs> speaking of Catra and the violin, shout outs to Caitlin who pointed out that Catra's cursed uh, bow stringing string holding technique. Oh, is yes. that what it is? Yeah, no, it was not not real. <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> that is nothing. Uh, <laughs> um but i do i'm trying to think i th- believe that is all the points of the yeah. stank kingdom's collapse uh verlina if i didn't announce it in a more uh, uh succinct way uh verlina basically surrenders and dissolves the stank kingdom and and so has basically sacrificed in in you know kind of sacrifice her position as an ideological figure who represents pacifism in all forms that that is more or less what has been lost here i mean like obviously this 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 the saint kingdom's like <laughs> status as a, a sovereign nation like i don't know it feels difficult for me to really judge how much of this is like a uh, has an emotional impact on the audience right like right, how, how much right. do we really give a shit <laughs> Like we just we it doesn't represent like a people. It's not like it's not like Asgard where it's a it's a people, not a place. Like it, it it's yeah, a place. we really haven't been introduced to residents, uh, citizens of Sank as uh, as an identity, like a cultural group. No, we know more about Apple Cart Man who doesn't yeah. live in the Sank Kingdom. No. <laughs> you know, like it's it's so it's tough for me to be like, oh man, the Sank Kingdom's been <laughs> it's <Yeah>. been collapsed. <laughs> it has it has, Sank has sunk. <laughs> Oh, Sank has sunk. Um, 
Uh, so yeah, that's where we're at. Rolina is uh, captured by Roma Feller. Uh, the boys' hero is question mark. Uh, Troa is is question mark. But literally, <laughs> uh, Duo is uh, I guess attempting to do something about Duo or Troa. Uh, Catra is heading to space with Noin. Wufei, who <laughs> yeah, just shrugs all of my hands in the air. Shrugs like, all around. I just don't care. Uh, but yeah, I think we are with the next episode. We with the confrontation of the two zero system mechs. We are we are sure to be on our way towards something of the the main sort of conflict overshadowing Gundam Wing. It definitely wants the zero system in our minds going forward. Uh, and then who the fuck knows? Honestly, it, it, Gundam Wing is is on its way now to filling its week uh, with anything as as it goes on. Like it really, I would not be surprised if. We get another Sally Poe in the jungle episode before this is this show ends. Even though there's no reason to be doing that right now. It would not shock me. <laughs> Did you Where, have any closing thoughts? I mean, what is she looking for now? She, we know where all the Gundams are. Uh, that's a super good point. You could have shown like, like two seconds of her in the Saint Kingdom. Uh, but like, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, sorry, Sally. It, you could be a character in this show, but no, I guess not. Wouldn't it be great if like... After we had seen Wu Fei just in a colony that like it cuts to Sally and she's just in like seven eleven and she's looking at like which which like gummies to get instead and <laughs> Noin just passes by and she's like, Wait, weren't you looking for the gundams? And she's like, Oh yeah, we they're here they are. <laughs> we yeah. just know where they are now. <laughs> like I I don't know, whatever. <laughs> we'll get there someday. <laughs> but uh I guess on that note, uh I was one of your hosts, Ignis Maddox. BMC trilogy. And we'll catch you next time when the zero systems collapse? No, that's not it. Zero plus zero is zero! Oh, oh no!